Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to episode 60 of the 5 Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. We're on iTunes, also on Google Play, Stitcher, CastBox, and our hosting app, Podbean. Be sure to check out the other podcasts in our network, Miami Heat Beat, Three Yards Per Carry, that's our Dolphins podcast. Also, Pitch Invasion Soccer, which Chris Whittingham runs. That's going to be going throughout the World Cup. And the Balls Cast, which is a different look at Miami sports culture, politics from a humorous perspective. Also, we've got some more coming down the way, so definitely check out at Five Reason Sports on Twitter. All right, one of the things that we've wanted to do here is stay in touch with the NBA Finals. Obviously, the Heat are not in it, nowhere close to in it, but the ratings in Miami are really good again. They consistently are good, much better than, say, Super Bowl ratings are, at least on a comparable basis to the rest of the country uh, in Miami, and you know, basically a top 10 uh, rated city. And so people are interested in the Finals. Of course, a lot of that has to do with LeBron and the continued interest from his days here in 2010 through 2014. But what we wanted to do today was we wanted to sort of get behind the scenes a little bit with the key, the three key figures in this series. And I worked around this guy uh, for a year, 2014-15, when I was up in Cleveland. And one of the things that Chris Haynes does really well is get to know the people that he's covering and has the unique experience of having covered LeBron on a daily basis. And now he's based out back in the Bay area where he was a, a star himself. Uh, I've, I've seen him, I've seen him do some dunking on the court. Look like it hurts you a little bit. Haynes, <laughs> uh, sometimes when you've done it uh, these days, but based back in the Bay area, covering the warriors NBA reporter for ESPN. And so a lot of insights on Curry and Durant. So we want to take a look at those three guys uh, here today. And, and let me just start here with part one of those three guys. Who's the most complicated to cover? Complicated. Yeah. Wow. That's a tough one. He, um, I wouldn't really call any of them complicated. Like I, you know, me and Draymond have a good relationship, but we also have some arguments. We also go back and forth. So I, I don't know if complicated is the, is the right word, but Draymond is definitely the one who, uh, who doesn't mind go, going toe to toe with you? And then the next morning, he just forgets about it completely. <laughs> you guys are right, right back to being good old buddies again. So that's, I would say he's probably the closest to that. But of the three guys, like which, because when, when you're covering an athlete of that magnitude, and, and you know, I recognize this from covering Dwayne since 2003, covering Shaq when he was down here, covering a couple guys in the Dolphins who were prominent. I covered the last three years of Marino's career, and I obviously covered LeBron. And I, I think when you're dealing with those guys, it's not just the player themselves. It's kind of all the people who are around the player, um, you know, whether it's the, the marketing guy, the agent, the trainer and all of that stuff. I, I mean, I would assume that uh, just from knowing LeBron a little bit, LeBron have the most people around him that you kind of work through oh, when yeah. you're covering. Yeah. yeah, if you're talking like that, you're talking about all the different layers a player has in order to get to him. Yeah, LeBron. There's nobody compared to the layers of people that LeBron has working for him, and and it's, it's like a it's a different protocol when you're trying to get LeBron. I know you, E, and a few other reporters. You know you can get go go straight to him, but for the most part, you know people have to go through certain 
certain sectors before you even get to him. So there's there's nobody else that I've covered who, who definitely had those multiple layers to get through. So you make the transition from covering Cleveland to covering Golden State. What have kind of been the major differences in the in the locker rooms and in the dynamics within these teams? Golden State is much more laid back. Are they a team that, that is really accessible? Uh, I'm talking from guy number one down to guy number 15. Um, it's just a different culture over there. Um, I think coming up in that Golden State Warrior organization to where they have one of the, you know, the best PR gurus in the league and Ray Ritter who kind of fosters, helped foster those relationships between players and, and the media members. And so it's, it's, been, it's been a treat, man. You know, it, it's just, I'm pretty sure you guys been around them, man. You know, you can strike up a side conversation with Steph or, you know, KD and KD. That's what KD talked about in leaving OKC. He wanted to talk a little bit more, you know, they, they don't foster that in, in Oklahoma city. So, it's different. And so in Cleveland, it's like you're shielded. Um, you're able to get your side um, conversations with LeBron if you have a relationship with him or with a Kevin Love. But uh, if they, if they, if they, if the PR staff doesn't believe that, that that player has a good relationship with you, they'll stand there or they'll uh, remove you from that area. And so it's just a different culture. You know, a lot of different organizations do it a little bit different. So it's just, easy to get what you need and get what you want uh, when you're covering the Golden State Warriors or Portland to Cleveland. It's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, I, I was coming from the Heat organization when I was up there that year in Cleveland. And I would say the Heat are in between Golden State and Cleveland on this stuff. Um, because Ray Ritter does have a reputation with the Warriors. Like, they win the PR award like every other year. And he, he does have a reputation of sort of fostering those relationships and the heat do too, but it's, it's a little bit regimented because it's a Riley organization and it's just the way that they've done things for 20 years. But I was sort of shell shocked going to Cleveland Haynes. Uh, and I know you were coming from Portland that year and I, I was a little taken aback by it because in Miami, we were accustomed to getting LeBron twice a day. Like, you know, we'd get him at shoot around and we'd get him after the game or we'd get him before the game and after the game. And we'd get him in every practice for 15 minutes. And then I went up to Cleveland and sometimes it would be three days between getting him. Um, and, and there would be only one player brought out. And I don't know if that's something that – I never really figured it out, Chris, like whether that was something that LeBron wanted um, because he was actually running that organization a lot more than he was running Miami or if it was just the way that things were done with the Cavs and so he just sort of folded back into that. But that was a big change. And you mentioned OKC. You know, OKC had a reputation. I don't know if it still exists, but had a reputation. I know there have been articles written about this. Like OKC, the Knicks, uh, and to a degree Cleveland were kind of the most restrictive organizations in the league. So it's interesting to me when you talk about Durant and you say he wanted to talk more. Why can't – I mean you've been doing this media game long enough. Why can't somebody with Durant's power just decide to talk more? Like why can't he dictate that to the media relations staff? Because when you're drafted in as a rookie into a certain organization, that's all you know. And so if you have an organization that that kind of wants to paint the media as the enemy, wants to paint this narrative that if you give them too much, they can draw a wedge between the team, they, then they're just going to follow suit because that's all they know. So Kevin Durant for almost a decade was under that, under that, uh, under those guidelines, and so, and while and while he did have a voice, 
he started saying it a little, you know, he started speaking out a little bit more his last few years, maybe his last year before he le- before leaving. But, you know, I did an interview with him his first year in Golden State, and he said he wanted to speak more. He wanted to have more of a relationship with uh, with the media, to ask them why do they write this or how do they come up with this idea or this stuff. You know, he, he's a very inquisitive person. So it, it, it just, it, it just that's the way it was, he was groomed. And you look at Kyrie Irving, who I had a tough trouble, you know, you, you know I had trouble covering in Cleveland. He was one of the most difficult players I've ever covered. Uh, having him been, been gone from Cleveland, you know, me and him have got along much better. Uh, but he was groomed in Cleveland. That's the way the structure, that's the way the organization um, had things catered. And so I think, um, I, I just think that if you come up in relation, if you come up in an organization, you think that's just the way of the NBA until you go out into other situations and find out, hey, there's other ways of doing things. And you look at Kevin Durant, he, he hasn't stopped talking since. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I wanted to ask you about Durant because I feel like his relationship with the media has come under a lot of scrutiny because he, he's been going after blog boys a lot recently and all and all and, and really throughout his career he's been having a pop at, at the media and I think a lot of people would describe him to be sensitive or defensive. How have you found him in terms of his engagement with the media? Sensitive, defensive. He, he's like that. But the thing is, he'll tell you. Those are those are some of his traits, some of his qualities. You know, he's not afraid or ashamed to say he's still growing as a man, and that he's not perfect. He he said that multiple times, and so yeah, I mean, what you see is, you know, that is what you get in him. You know, he's he's letting you know he's still exploring. You know, I I talked to him about that, and like, and I told him I said, you know, a lot of people don't like the perception of you because they feel like you're a pop superstar in, in this league. And that they feel like you should have this stigma or you should act a certain way. You shouldn't be show vulnerability. He was like, I get tired. He said, I, he said, there are players that do that in this league. He didn't name any names. But he said, you have to keep putting on a face every single day and it gets tiring. You have to stick to a certain script when you're talking to the media and it gets tiring. He said, why can't I just be myself and just grow? And you can just, the people that's covering me, you can see my maturation as I evolve. He said, I'm not perfect right now, far from it, but this is my, these are my weaknesses, these are my vulnerabilities, cover me as is. And I think that's, that's the beauty of covering a guy like that because he is, he's going to keep it real, he's going to make mistakes on the fly, but uh, he's comfortable knowing that this is not the finished product. And so that's, that's just the Kevin Durant that we've gotten to, you know, gotten to see ever since he came came to Golden State. And I think that when he was at OKC, there was just a mystery behind who he really is, what he really thinks. And now we're just seeing all of that. It's interesting you talk about it because you make him sound really genuine. So I'm, I'm going to give you a poll that I put up here on at Five Reasons Sports earlier today. And this result would have been, in my view, completely opposite a few years ago. But I asked, who do you think is the most genuine of these three guys? And how do you think it came down, Haynes? Uh, Curry, LeBron, and Durant. That's, uh, most genuine, I think, Steph one, LeBron two, KD three. Okay. All right. Because here's how it came down. 57% LeBron, 33% Steph, 10% KD. And I just go back to, say, 2010, right, where LeBron makes his decision. He's instantly the most polarizing athlete 
uh, in the world. And Durant made his own decision on Twitter and was praised for it because it was like no big show, no one hour with Jim Gray, no big circus. This is just quiet KD doing his thing on Twitter. If I did that poll uh, eight years ago, I, I think it would have been, you know, I, again, Steph was not Steph at that point, but it would have been all Steph and Durant. I don't think it would have been any LeBron at that stage. And remember, Haynes, I'm basically targeting a Miami audience here. So there's a lot of people here who are still bitter about LeBron leaving, and he still polled highest at 57%. Why do you say that Curry is the most genuine of the three? Because that was just my that was just my, my guess on how fans um, probably perceive these players. But Steph is just like, he's approachable. You know, it's like he, um, you know, you, you, you haven't heard about any dirt on Steph, anything close. You haven't heard any, anything about, you know, bashing teammates. Is he a good, uh, is he a coach killer? And, you know, those are a lot of things that, that come with when you hear about LeBron. A lot of it is, is, is not accurate, but those are some of the things that people say about LeBron. So, you know, a wholesome figure, uh, you know, a, a Christian, he w- walks with his faith, things of that nature. That's why, I, you know, I figured Steph would be number one. I mean, that's still surprising, even though how long ago was that when that poll was first? You know? uh, I put that poll up today. And, and again, I'm telling you, Haynes, I mean, because there are still people down here. It's not as bitter as it was. I think people down here over the course of four years have come to appreciate LeBron more. Um, there was a lot of people upset, not just about the fact that he left in 2014, but kind of the way he left, the the feeling that he kind of left Riley in the lurch with a bad roster and kind of knew what he was doing all along, although I don't necessarily agree with that entirely. Um, but, you know, uh, people took Riley's side on it down here for the most part. And I think that cooled a little bit in 2016 when Riley and Wade were at odds. And I think more people kind of looked at the organization with a little more critical eye. And I think that helped LeBron. Uh, in terms of public perception here. But I think, again, they've just come to appreciate him more. But if you were to tell me, again, four years ago, uh, that Le- if, if you were to tell me again four years ago that LeBron, uh, you know, was the was the most, considered the most genuine by a Miami, mostly Miami-based, <laughs> you know, audience here, yeah. uh, I would have told you that you were crazy. So I think it's come around, and I think it does speak to the fact that, again, and this is about 1,000 votes we got on this today, so it's not a, a real small sample size. The fact that only 10% of people think that KD is genuine, uh, do you think that's just, uh, you know, I know we've talked about some of the issues he's had with bloggers and et cetera, but is that mostly, in your view, kind of a result of the decision to join a stacked Golden State team that the perception of him has changed? That and, you know, the burner accounts, I think that plays a part as well because, you know, they, they look at KD as, you know, like I said, he's a superstar player. And he says this, you know, uh, he says this in front of the media and whatnot. But then he has a burner account that, you know, that goes and defends his honor. Or, you know, you know similar to what, you know, the, the Colangelo situation. So people look down, look down upon that. But like I said, he came out, and which I was surprised by. He came out and admitted that that was his account. Like, this is Kevin Durant. He could have easily came out, lie, but he could have easily came out and said, uh, you know, one of my people was running my account. You know, I have people who, who, who does this, and they forgot to switch the account. He could have easily said that, and I think uh, there definitely would have been some skepticism, but I, I definitely think a lot of people would have believed him. But he came out and owned it. And so I, I think a lot of the decision with the, with the burner account, 
which you know shows a lot of his insecurities. And I think that's 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 probably some of the main reasons, components of why his perception is the way it is. Do you think athletes should engage more on that level? Because I think a lot of people just sort of assume that they're meant to kind of keep an arm's length from it and not really be interested that much in what regular people have to say about what they do. Do you feel like maybe Durant should be more like the norm rather than everyone else who kind of keeps their fans and keeps the sort of discourse at arm's length? Well, it depends on if the player can handle it. Because if a player is becoming more engaged with fans and social media, uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna open yourself up to fans who are, you know, cursing you out, you know, you know, talking derogatory, talking about your family and all that stuff. So you know, it's it's a fine line. You know, I asked LeBron that question. Uh, I believe it was after game or before game two, and basically he was he says to each his own. Like if you can't handle social media, if you can't ha- handle being more engaged with fans, then Turn your social media account off. Take it off your phone. So it, it, it's just it's just a matter of what you can handle. And sometimes I think Durant handles it correctly, and sometimes he doesn't. Like every now and then, if you check out Durant's account, he'll go back at fans and just start arguing with them. And some people look down upon that, and they say, "Why are you belittling yourself? Why are you talking down to you know these people who are just trying to get a reaction from you?" And I remember Durant told me personally, he was like, look, I'm a human too. I want to talk shit too. You know, that's, that's me. I want, I want to do that. Like, why, why can't I enjoy myself? Why can't I troll a little bit? I like to do that as well. So uh, I'm just trying to give, you know, give you a sense of just who he is. He, he's Kevin Durant, but he's more approachable, more accessible than that of a LeBron James or Michael Jordan type figure. And he doesn't even want to be in, you know, in that realm as far as being those untouchable guys. That's that's just him. One of the conversations I had with LeBron, you talk about the conversation with Durant about social media and your question of LeBron. Um, I remember way back in uh, like 2013 uh, being in San Antonio and uh, it was something that Skip Bayless had said that day, you know, to try to get a rise out of him. And he, he just looks at me and I asked him if he's seen it and he just shook his head and then he went back in, he took a shower, he came back out, he found me and he goes, someday I'm just going to fucking go off. I mean, that's, that was his, his thing. He's like, he's, he's like one of these days I'm just going to fucking go off. And, uh, it never really entirely happened, um, while he was with the heat. And what's interesting to me is we've seen it a little bit over the past year or two, like beyond just the passive aggressive fit in, fit out stuff or the Arthur thing or, you know, the kind of stuff that he puts on social media, like directly calling the president of the United States, whatever you think of Trump, but calling him a bum on social media is not something the LeBron James with the heat would have done. I, I don't think there's I think he would have been too concerned about sponsors and all that. So I see over the past four years, and I started to notice it a little bit that first year back in Cleveland, Chris, that he just doesn't care anymore, like uh, the way that he used to. And I'm just curious from your interaction, I know you're not around him every day anymore like you were when you were covering the Cavs, but have you seen that from him that it's just sort of, I don't I don't give a shit what people think as much anymore? No, he's definitely, I think he started that trend. I believe he started the trend of trend, superstar players, that is, of just being authentic because remember that, you know, obviously there was a concern years ago that if you revealed too much, you would lose sponsors. 
you would uh, cost yourself money. Uh, and but I think and nowadays your authentic your authenticity is what sells. So you know you're seeing players person more, or you see them expressing their views a little bit more, and it's it's not having any impact on their endorsement or negative impact. It's not having a negative impact on their endorsement, their partnership. And, you know, people want to see that. And that's part of branding. You know, that, that's part of branding, being who you are, letting your personality show. You know, I, you know, it's a situation with Kawhi Leonard. And, he, you know, he's trying to get more money on, on a shoe deal. And people are saying, well, you know, you got to show more. You know, there's more to Kawhi than what we've seen. You know, there, there's more to him. It, it just hasn't gotten out yet. But that, that sales. That sales. You being you, you being direct. And obviously, uh, you know, with LeBron, you know, going off on Trump, you're going to alienate a, a certain uh, a, a certain group. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I think he's still profiting very, very well, if, if not even not more. And, you know, you bring up LeBron going off. You know, he went off. A couple of years ago today, McMenamin on Charles Barkley. Remember when he tore him to shreds? <laughs> you know, so don't, so that's not. I, I, I like it, and I, I definitely, you know, these guys just coming to their own. And I, I think more so they're they're seeing that there's not really a, a a huge negative effect if they choose to really speak their mind. One of the things I want to follow with you on that, uh, Chris and I have done uh, a podcast on this. I'm curious for your your thoughts on it too, because I know you, you follow the NFL also. Um, there is no back, as you mentioned, there's no backlash against NBA players for speaking out. There is a backlash against NFL players. I mean, you're based up there in the Bay area now, so you're pretty familiar with what's gone on there the past couple of years in terms of Kaepernick still not getting an opportunity. I, I'm just uh, curious if you sort of notice the difference there. And if the players notice the difference there, that they're in a league that has essentially empowered them to be themselves Whereas NFL players are being told to hide in the locker room. You know, it, it's interesting because I think the only true difference is how the NFL owners and Roger Goodell with the NFL are handling things, like just imposing these bans. Like, but if you really think about it, if you really you know, look at the, uh, the rule book, the NBA has a similar uh, guideline of stance as far as the anthem. And it's just that the owners, for the most part, and NBA Commissioner uh, Adam Silver have been very supportive in trying to help and find resolutions to to better help, you know, rid this world of social, you know, inequality. And and I think that they're, they've been more genuine in their approach. But look, and I think that's why the players haven't resorted to doing anything to where. They feel like they have to. I don't. I don't know if that's taking a bold stand of. You know, I, I'm not. I don't want to get too too much into the protesting thing. But what I will say is that the same rules essentially in place in the NBA is just that there's better leadership up top, who, who, and they are communicating with the players and trying to get understanding of what they're going through, what the players, family members or friends are going through, so, so they can better help the situation. And and I think the players feel like they have that help, they have that support, so they have there hasn't been any need to go out there and do any type of form of protesting. But look, if a player did choose to go protest, that's where I'm looking for. That's where I want to see what will happen. How would the NBA come down? Because like I said, the same rule is in place 
about the anthem that it is an NFL. It's just that, that they feel the players feel like they have more support. Uh, so that's something that we haven't seen. So I, I do want to commend the NBA for being forthright and being proactive and trying to help and find a find an answer to the problem. But it hasn't gone down the same road that the NFL has gone down. And to that, I just think I can't not truly judge them accurately as I am the NFL because, you know, I don't think we've, we've taken it to that level to, to be able to truly see what would they, what would they do. All right, we'll be right back with... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Chris Haynes, but first, a word from one of our sponsors. Are you looking to sell your house? Do you know the accurate price for it? In South Florida, you want to work with a real estate agent that is professional, trustworthy, and knows the area well. Get a free house price analysis from a real estate agent at Priority Realty Partners. You'll love working with a Priority Realty Partners agent just like their clients do. You deserve to work with a knowledgeable partner when buying or selling your home. They're knowledgeable, part of the community, and Miami sports fans just like you. It's a great time to buy or sell in South Florida. So go to www.PriorityRealtyPartners.com and select one of the sales agents for your free house evaluation. That's Priority Realty Partners. That's PriorityRealtyPartners.com. Wanted to talk about Steph a little bit more because you've had the chance to, to get to know him a little bit covering the team. And I feel like he's kind of the opposite of KD in a way where I think a lot of people view him to be nice and sort of this this perfect all-American family with the superstars and all with with sort of his sort of cultivated image and yet on the floor he's kind of not just been an instigator in this series but he does a lot of taunting does the shimmying and the thing where you know Chris Paul did it to him in the Rocket series and then just got into it with Kendrick Perkins I feel like his sort of persona on floor versus off floor are very different. How have you found it? You know, he's pretty, he's pretty tame, you know, pretty calm and cool, you know, off the court. Um, on the court, you know, he's just having fun, man. That, that's just what he does, man. You know, I was watching him at practice yesterday. Uh, he, he hit a half court shot. It was like right before practice started. He hit a half court shot and he just started looking around to see if everybody, see if anybody saw it. Like, wow, look what I did. That's just, he's just a showman. You know, he's a showman. And he, he does that doing his pregame, um, his pregame routine that thousands of people come down early to the games to, to catch and watch. You know, that's just part of him. But no, I definitely think he's trying to share that soft, 
uh, light skin image <laughs> that he has of just, you know, be, he, he wants to make sure everybody knows, like, look, I'm, I'm here to have fun, but look, I'm going to come at you. You know, him getting into Kendrick Perkins, I was like, look at Steph. You know, I don't want to see, I don't want to, I don't want to see Kendrick tear the poor boys the shreds. But look, I was like, man, look at Steph, you know, in space doing that. And so he, he's been doing that, and then getting into it with LeBron, and you know, you know, talking some stuff with him. So uh, he, he wants people to know that you know he ain't no punk, but uh, but he he also still wants to enjoy the game like a kid. That that's how I view him as a little kid on the court. But he's very he's very calm, cool, mellow, and humble off of it for sure. Which of these three guys most needs to be liked, in your opinion? Most feels the need to be liked. You put me on the spot, Eve. Well, the reason I asked the the reason I asked the question, Haynes, is because that was that was always the perception of LeBron, um, particularly and, and just I mean yeah. to tell a story on this when he and came to Miami. Yeah, I mean because when he came to Miami when he came to Miami in 2010. When he came to Miami in 2010, and it was the villain thing, right? And and for a period of time, like we were we and you know, I was going around the country with him. And every building we went into, you know, he's public enemy, I mean, one. And it was places that he was never considering in free agency. So there was no reason for him them to be so angry at him. Like, I understand maybe Chicago. I certainly understood Cleveland, um, maybe New York. But, like, he was never considering Memphis. He was never considering Sacramento. He was never considering Portland. And yet he was, I mean, you know, it was violence. Like, I mean, it was like verbal violence every night towards LeBron. Like, things about his mother, you know, things about his wife, things, everything related to him. Um, and there was a period of time, and I remember specifically a game in Portland where he got booed, and I remember them winning the game in overtime, and he started taunting the crowd in overtime. And we asked him about it afterwards, and he seemed to be for a minute embracing the villain thing, like he was going to run with it. But we found out after the season ended and the way that everything emotionally collapsed on him in the finals against Dallas, that it was just too much to bear because LeBron had always been liked, like coming out of high school, doing the commercials with Kobe, you know, the puppets, all of that stuff, playing 12 characters on commercials that like LeBron wanted deep down to be liked. And I feel like it, a, a part of his decision in 2014 was about that, too. It was he changed the whole narrative about him by going back home to help the kids of Cleveland as opposed to playing for Big Bad Miami and this tropical paradise where everybody thinks that everyone drives Mercedes, right? So I, I think I think he changed it. So I always thought it was LeBron, but as I see the way that Duran interacts, I, that's why I don't know if it's such a close call now. I mean, if it's such, I don't know if it's such an easy yeah. call. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. Uh, five you know, five years ago, I guess before he came back, I would have said LeBron for sure. But, you know, I, look, just by – I would say just by default, probably KD uh, will, be the, will be the one. But even, even, even he is at the point where at least he says it that, you know, I don't give a what for, you know, what anybody's thinking about. You know, this is what I wanted to do. And, and you know, it, it took some – he knew he was going to take heat going to go to the state. So he knew the criticism was going to come with it. And he, and he still made a decision to do it. And, you know, I, is he ever going to be like, like he was in OKC? I, I don't know. I don't know. But he, he felt like he, he needed to make a decision that made him happy. So I, I think, I think it was kind of, it was kind of bold of him to do that to go that route. So, but but by default, if you give me those three, 
probably Caden falls in uh, the top top dog. And so in terms of when you look at kind of the way that they feel amongst their peers, uh, who do you think either commands the most respect or is kind of liked the most by the other players in the league? I think LeBron commands the most respect because I think he's the best player in the game. Um, I think well, – what was the other What was the other one you said? He was commanded the most respect. M- most liked. Liked amongst the peers. Yeah, probably, probably Steph is most liked. But nobody really has a problem with Steph and Curry. Uh, I, I remember early on in his rise, there were some players that were, you know, thinking like, you know, is he legit? Like, is this sustainable? Is the media just trying to find the next, you know, golden child? And and I, I know LeBron was looking at that because I was covering LeBron, you know, during that time when Stephen Curry was going on, you know, in, in flight. And, um, you know, LeBron, you know, had some questions, you know, initially. He wanted to know, you know, what was this real? Was this sustainable? And then, you know, people were trying to take the mantle from him, you know. And so I, I and you see it, you see it now, like, there hasn't been a finals where LeBron and Steph ha- hasn't gotten into it. And, and it's always when LeBron blocks one of his shots because <laughs> it's like that's his, that's his opportunity to remind Steph that, you know, I'm still the best. And not just remind Steph, remind the whole world. So, you know, the people who try to anoint Steph to be the top dog. So, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think Steph is the most liked, but I think you've got to respect LeBron. And, uh, that's, he's the top dog. You mentioned the LeBron Curry thing, and I remember that too in the 14-15 season when, when again, Steph was, was starting to you know have the top jersey sales, uh, was starting to get commercials. And I just remember in the locker room in Atlanta one day, I'm not sure if you were in there, uh, it was a pregame, and something had happened with Steph and his daughter, and with Riley. And LeBron just looks up and he goes, everybody in that bleeping family is beautiful. Like he just, and it was like, it was, it was a compliment but it was like this, I, I don't know, there, there was a little more to it, right? Like where it seemed like he just, I guess, the whole golden child thing that you're talking about. Like I, I think, uh, you know, this this feeling, and, and again, LeBron comes from a different background than Steph does, obviously a less stable house situation, less stable growing up. Um, you know, people, you know, look, I mean, we don't, you know, you know, we're not familiar with LeBron's father. We're very familiar with Steph's father. I mean, it's just a very different uh, upbringing and everything. And I felt like there was just a little bit of jealousy there um, during that period of time. And so that I'm, I, you're right. Whenever he has an opportunity against Steph, he seems to take it, um, you know, to prove that, that he's the best. And I'm curious how he'll react this year, Haynes, because if you take a look at what's happening in this series, it's pretty likely LeBron's going to have the best numbers. I mean, he's averaging 40 through two games, uh, but, but it's also very likely he's not going to win MVP. And, and I know you remember from 2014-15 that LeBron was pretty pissed, and the people around him were pretty pissed that Iguodala uh, won MVP that year, even though the Warriors won the series. And Steph's good, probably going to win MVP this year. I mean, if he has two games like the last one, I think he likely gets it. I don't think that's going to go over. So I, I think that's just going to add to this a little bit. And, I'm, and it possibly will. But I'm, if I said this on the jump, even if the Warriors sweep, but if they sweep and each game is pretty close from, from here on out, and LeBron is putting up 45, 10, and 10, close to triple-double, put up another 50 somewhere in there, and like, I, I, I would probably still feel like he deserves the finals MVP. Now, obviously, I, I want to see what Steph, Steph does. If Steph continues to have games like he had, 
you know, in game two, then, you know, give him the award. He's earned it. Uh, but, look, I'm, I'm not opposed to giving um, the best player uh, in that series the finals MVP, regardless if they won or lost, because it's, it's happened before. So, you know, it, it depends on what LeBron, you know, depends on the numbers, man. It depends on the numbers. For me, it depends on the numbers, and it also depends on how close these games are. Like, if he's continually having, you know, games like, like game one, I, I know things got ahead in overtime, but, you know, it was a close game, 51 points, and he had them right there. If there's some games, continue to be games like that for him, man, for me, like, I'm like, God, like, how, how can you not give it to him, you know? And so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to see how this thing is going to play out. Hopefully this, this series goes longer than four. So we can see more of these bouts to see what's going to happen, but I think most people would think this this series is not it's not set up to go that far. Yeah, I, I don't think it is either. I, this would be the third time um, that LeBron would be the best player in in the finals and not win the MVP. I mean, he didn't he didn't win against Iguodala, and he didn't win that series uh, the Kawhi one either in 2014. Even though when you look at the numbers, Kawhi had a great series, but he basically got credit for LeBron not going completely off on him. Like, it's not like he matched his numbers. Uh, He just played well enough, and the Spurs won. All right, one more on these three guys, then I want to pivot uh, to something else with you quickly. I think something that Heat fans will be interested in. Um, What do these three guys think of each other? You've talked a little bit about LeBron on Curry. Uh, Have you had any conversations with Curry about LeBron uh, with Durant about LeBron and and what is the interaction like on a daily basis between Curry and Durant? So uh, Curry on LeBron, he respects him. He respects him as a player. Uh, look, LeBron, I, I I don't want I wouldn't say he had a thing uh, for for Curry. He just wanted just as a competitor, a natural competitor. He wanted to show showcase his talents and let everybody see that. He hasn't lost a step, and he's still the guy. So that's why he's always going at Curry. From covering Steph and talking with Steph about LeBron, I, I get the sense that he doesn't – like, LeBron is not his goal. It's not his aim. Like, he didn't even anticipate himself being a, of this magnitude of a player. So, like, there's not really anything there between a Steph and LeBron like it is LeBron or Steph because LeBron feels like he still has something to prove. Now, with KD and LeBron, you guys remember in the lockout year, those two were working out together. And so they were close. KD always wanted to beat LeBron. That was it. That was it. He wanted to beat LeBron. He was crushed when he couldn't do it when OKC went to the finals. What year was that? That was 2012, yeah. I believe. The finals. Yeah, the finals between and, them was 2012. Uh, yep. Okay, so. He was crushed. And so his whole thing has been about beating LeBron. And like, if you ask KD who's the best, he's going to say it's him. And, and, and you know, you, everybody's supposed to say that they're the, they're the best. Nah, he really – I've talked to him numerous times about this, numerous on numerous occasions. He thinks he's the best in the league. And that was his way of going – you know, he wanted to go to go to State, a team that he felt like played the right way and he could help get – you know, take that extra step. And he felt so good. Do you remember after he won the finals MVP, I forgot who he did the interview with, but he made that remark saying that him winning finals MVP and the championship over LeBron was, was LeBron passing the torch. You guys remember him saying that? Yeah, I do. I I actually don't. Oh yeah. He he said that he ended up backtracking much later about it, 
But I, I knew when he said that, I, I knew, I'm like, man, hold on. LeBron ain't passing no chores. Like, LeBron, like, if you ask LeBron that, he, 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 he'll disagree with that. He said, I ain't passed nothing. But that's just KD. He always wants to get over on LeBron. And so uh, that's how KD feels uh, about LeBron. LeBron respects KD. Like, you know, they, you know they, 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 they were making some big plans, some big business plans back in those days. And uh, things just didn't happen at that time. So LeBron always wanted KD under his wing, but, the, you know, but KD didn't want to be sunned. You know, he wanted to be the top dog. So that, that's, that's, that's KD's view of LeBron. Yeah, and the only thing I can add on LeBron's view of KD, and I've told this story before, but uh, asked him in, in Phoenix one night, I think during the 2013 season, uh, 2012-2013 season, after he won his first championship with Miami, and I asked him, when will people start giving KD a hard time about not winning a championship the same way that they gave you a hard time? And he said, when I retire. Um he said, "He said people will care about more about me winning my second than him winning his first, and and I think that was true actually. And, and so I, I didn't take it as dismissive of of Durant. I just took it as this is LeBron basically putting into perspective the different ways that the two of them ha- were viewed to that point. And I think the only way that KD has sort of gotten a little of that heat was doing something similar to what LeBron did by going, you know, leaving his you know first team and going to join." Uh, another one. I want to pivot with you here, Chris, because before you came to Cleveland to cover the Cavaliers, you covered the Blazers, and you, you just recently did a, a really good uh, special with, with Lillard and McCollum, and this is largely for our Heat fans down here who are desperate for a star to be traded to Miami, and we, we've seen all summer that Lillard's hanging out with with Whiteside, McCollum seems to have a relationship with Whiteside. Now, Whiteside might be a piece that might have to be sent another direction anyway. Uh, you know that Portland situation intimately. Um, first thing, do you think either of those two guys want to be traded? And do you think either of those two guys will be traded? I don't think they want to be traded. None of them want to be traded. Uh, but I think if you're, if you're Portland, I, I just don't know that you can keep, continue to go to go on with the six three backcourt. Um, they have very limited assets over there. Very limited. They have a bunch of players who are overpaid, and teams are not going to take them off their hands. Not not by themselves. Not not a one for one. So the only other option is to trade to get back adequate value is to trade one of those two guards. And I think the if, if that's the option they're going to go to. Then I think that guard is, is CJ. Dane Lewis, the franchise player. Um, so I, I think, um, but look, I, I'm gonna tell you right now. There, when you when you talk about the Miami Heat, when you when you if you ask most players, give them the top three teams that they would like to get shipped to. If they, you know, if they if they had to get traded to, Miami will be on the the, the short list of most players. So that. that you never will have a problem with, 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 with having players interested in, in, in your in your ball club. But with that being said, there are some complicated matters that have to be you know taken to effect when you're taken to effect when you're making a trade like that. Uh, you know, are the Heat? If, if you know, do they trade? Does Miami trade trade for CJ? Who do they give up? Is Whiteside going to Portland? Portland has a you know a deal a situation lurkish. They got to figure out if they're going to resign him. So there's a lot of moving parts, but I would have to think, you know, one of those guards will have to be moved, and I think it would be Caesar. 
I, I just kind of wonder if maybe you know Portland would want to do better, but I feel like there really isn't uh, you know that many teams that are going to be willing to take on salaries and and that in in sort of this trading season. But do you feel like there are going to be a lot of teams and maybe look at the Warriors and now in the Eastern Conference, look at the Celtics and maybe even the Sixers and go, well, hang on a second, we're we're a long way off here and we're going to make some trades to try and 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 change the mix here. Do you feel like a lot of teams are maybe heading down this path and and do you think Portland will in the end pull the trigger on a McCollum trade? Well, the thing is, I don't. My, my gut tells me probably not because, look, you're, you're competing in the West. You're competing with Houston and and um, Golden State. In the East, like you mentioned, those teams that's on the rise, and then depending on what LeBron James does, you still got Cleveland to deal with. And so, you know, does a C.J. McCollum trade, I, I don't I don't know what player you get in return, but does that make your ball club better? Does that put you – in the same category as Houston and Golden State, I would think not, and I would think not by a, a large distance. Um, so and that's why I would think that they would probably stand pat. But I will say this. Damian Lillard doesn't like losing. He's getting tired of the early playoff exit. And so, you know, he and he spoke to Paul McGowan, you know, I'm excuse me, Paul Allen, the Blazers owner. I reported that back in February, I believe, or maybe it was January. And he wanted to know what was going on with the organization. So he's showing a sense of urgency. He's showing that he wants to see things uh, you know, get done expeditiously. And if they don't, if they you know, I you know, if nothing happens this summer and they go into the regular season basically with the same team and uh, you know, be, you know, become a, another early exit then uh, I, I can see Damian Lillard making a move uh, as far as talking to Paul Allen and saying, hey, we got to do something here. You know, we got to do something drastic. So, you know, there's some urgency going, going, you know, happening over there. And if I'm, if I'm Miami, I'm certainly checking in routinely to see what's going on to, to make sure they, they stay on top of the top of things just in case things do get kind of crazy over there. All right, last one here for Chris Haynes. You can follow him at Chris B. Haynes. Uh- Obviously, follow his work on ESPN.com and on the network. Appears on the jump pretty frequently, too, with Rachel Nichols. Uh, so I'm just going to throw this one at you. We've talked about this on just about every pod recently, but you obviously have contacts in LeBron's camp. You have a relationship with LeBron. If I was to say, all right, which of those locations is most likely for LeBron this offseason? Is it Philly? Is it Houston? Is it Cleveland? Is it L.A.? Is it a dark horse like even, say, a Miami, which has been brought up down here? I don't know how they pull that off. Where do you think his lean is? As of right now, with no true insight, just based off of, you know, uh, what, what, what I, I say just based off of what I've heard much, months ago, uh, I would put Philly in there. What, I, I'll put Philly. I'll put Philly number one. I will put Cleveland in there as well, and and, and I put Cleveland there right now because there's not going to be a lot of money out there. There's not a lot of teams with cap out there, so the options are limited. And so uh, I think Cleveland still gives them a you know chance to you know at least get to the finals um, every single year. And then let me throw a dark horse in there. Let me throw a dark horse in there. Let me throw t- Toronto in there. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. I haven't heard he, that. He already, he already owns the country, Hades. I, don't, I mean, I, I mean, is, is that the deal? If, if you keep beating them, then you join them? That's kind of the opposite of what KD did. <laughs> you remember, you guys remember what uh, DeRozan said last year in the post? 
postseason, he said, uh, I think it was after they got bounced by Cleveland. He said, well, if we, if we have LeBron, we'll, we'll win too. So <laughs> maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what needs to happen. Now, do you think – I mean, I just want to explore this with you for another second here because, I, I mean, that would – I mean, you talk about shaking up the league. I mean, I love that city, um, and, and I know a lot of NBA players love that city. But for LeBron, the biggest star in America – to leave America to play for the only Canadian team. I mean, I guess look. Why not be people, the biggest you know, star in two what, countries? I, I guess you could be, and I guess look, he doesn't like the president very much, and I know there were a lot of people who said they would go to Canada if Trump was elected. I, if LeBron was the one to actually do that, people might follow him. That's that's a pretty crazy thought. Yeah, he could start the migration. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that would certainly that would certainly change things. Um, yeah, if Masai can pull that one off, uh, that would be interesting. I mean, what's funny is from a roster perspective, Chris, like it's not crazy from that perspective. I mean, they have the best bench in the league. They have supporting players. Uh, cap wise, I think they could probably make it happen. He would stay in the Eastern Conference. But man, and it's an international city. But man, that uh, that would be that would be. Sci- ESPN would be moving a lot of its uh, a lot of its people up to Canada. That's for sure. Um, you you might get moved again, Haynes. I don't know if you. I know you like the Bay Area, but you might get moved again. Um, but that's, I love, uh, that's I love Toronto. I love Toronto, but only in uh, May and June. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, those are the only times LeBron would have to play. Actually, right? I mean, Toronto could probably make the playoffs without him. And then he could just join them in mid-April uh, when it warms up in Toronto. That's actually not such a bad idea. All right, Chris Haynes uh, dropping a little bomb there at the end. Uh, that's good stuff. All right, follow him at Chris B. Haynes on Twitter. Always appreciate it. Um, I still have video of you trying to dunk at, uh, at practice and uh, at, at quick, not at quick and Loans, but in Independence at the practice facility. So maybe we'll release this with the pod. But uh, thanks for doing it, buddy. <laughs> Chris, take care, guys. Thanks for having me. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.